Good morning, I'm Joel, and I am a transformed follower of Jesus. Anybody else? Awesome. Absolutely love it. It's good to be with you today. We're going to be jumping in 1 John chapter 2. As you go in the Word of God, 1 John chapter 2, I want to talk with you about a couple of things real quick just to uh, help you understand some things that are happening here at Chapel Point. One, we are crazy blessed uh, to have an amazing body of believers who come together and to worship one another, whether it be online or in other venues, it doesn't even matter. Um, but one of the things that we're recognizing is we need a little more room to spread out. Um, especially, I know the first service today, was a, it was just, uh, we were blessed by all the new people that showed up. But what we're going to be doing, pray with us. I'm inviting you to pray with us as we're looking at adding another service in the morning that where we can incorporate kids, but in a safe way. Um, because we don't think the current state's going anywhere, and yet we believe that our kids need to be taught the Word of God, both in their homes, but also here. Um, can we agree to that somehow, right? And, but we want to do it in the right manner. <laughs> so we're looking at doing that in about a month and trying to figure out the best way to be doing it, allow for spreading out even more than what we've already done, and then also with kids and RSVPs and trying to figure it out. So you, just be praying for that as we're looking at the fact that everybody still needs the same thing. Everybody's looking for fulfillment. They're not finding it anywhere except for in the name of Jesus. And so we need to do everything we can to be able to share that message, to share that gospel no matter what, but to do so with respect and with graciousness and kindness uh, and in the right manner. So that's what we're always striving for here at Chapel Point. First um, John chapter 2 uh, talking about the intensity of faith, we're going to continue to walk through 1 John. Hopefully we're going to finish it up sometime in the next year or two. Um, because I just, it's just such an amazing book. Favorite thing to do is just walk through. Uh, uh, give me a Bible, let me just walk through it. Um, and then probably around October, uh, first, second week of October, we are going to jump into a series, many of you have already asked about it, called Speak. And what we're going to do is we're going to take all of the big issues that are happening right now over the course of a month and a half or so, uh, like politics and race and suffering and anxiety, and we're going to take those things and we're going to take and pour it through Scripture. And then whatever comes out of Scripture is our response. That's our answer. It's not your preferences. It's not my preference. It's just taking everything, pouring it through the Word of God, and then whatever comes out of that, that's, that's our response to it. That's how we're going to live in life. So that's going to start in about October. So you can be praying about that right now as well as we're trying to do everything we can to point people to God's precious Word and how wonderful it really is. In 1 John... John is writing this, the same author of the Gospel of John, also the book of Revelation, right? So here he is writing this, and this is a passage where he, he's calling out the second and third generation believer who very easily have stepped away from God and the church, from their faith and church. So second, third generation, roughly 60 years after the time of Jesus' death and then resurrection, all these people are stepping away. And he gives explanation why. Um, I've preached about that, especially about a month ago. You can go back and listen to the first couple of weeks. But what I will tell you this is I'm going to try to simplify it even more. I don't want to oversimplify it um, because I think that can, that can cheapen the word. But um, what I would say is this. What is taking place is that very quickly the people who claimed Christ, they didn't recognize the fullness of what Jesus had done. 
You see, when you encounter Jesus, it amazes you. When you encounter Jesus, it overwhelms you. Right? It's, it's kind of like first time, you know, you meet the person you're going to marry, and it kind of, you're like, oh, wow, she's beautiful. And it kind of takes your breath away. Well, when I think sometimes about my own sin and what I've done in life, and yet what God has done and gone into action for me over through his son, Jesus Christ, to take the burden, the responsibility, the weight of that sin so that I might have eternity with it, it takes your breath away. And so when I look at what's happening in 1 John, I don't think that they recognize the fullness of what Jesus Christ had done. I think they were doing a lot of things similar to what we do today. Sometimes we teach people, like, if you just do enough, you can earn your way to salvation. If you, or if you give enough money, let me tell you now, you can't give enough money to this church or any other church to earn salvation. You can't serve enough hours in order to earn salvation. You can't do any of that. It is by grace alone through the power of Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of it. Every other religion out there, whether it be Catholicism, whether it be Mormons or anything, it doesn't matter what it is. The more you can do, the more you can earn, the more you, better place you can earn. No, for everybody, if you look at the fullness of the word of God, it is this thing called grace. And so I think the people in the... The early church that John's speaking to, I don't think that they recognize the power of the gospel. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. If you do me a favor, get a pen out. Go ahead and just write that this down. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Right? For by grace you have been saved through faith. Listen to this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's something you can't earn. That's what it's letting you know. It says it is a gift of God. And sometimes I question whether or not they understood the gift that it was to know Jesus Christ. And if the gospel of what Jesus has done for you, and this is something you need to hear continually, but if the gospel doesn't overwhelm you, if the gospel sometimes doesn't take your breath away, I would argue probably it's one, because you're too prideful to recognize your need of it, or two, you think you have to earn it, and you know what your life has consisted of, and you don't think that you can earn it, and so you live in despair. What I'm here to let you know right now, in the midst of anything that happens in this world, knowing that outward circumstances can never remove inner joy that's given by Christ, what I'm here to make sure you know is that, no, you can't earn it, but God gave it. You can't be good enough, but Jesus is. And as a result of that, we are amazed that we get to be called his children. And that's a great message for us. Because I have to believe that this second, third generation, that they're not understanding the depth of what Jesus had to endure for them. And that's why we're so desperate to love other people. 1 John, uh, in chapter 4, verse 19, we'll hit this in a in a month or so, but 1 John 4, 19, it says we love, why? Because he first loved us. And that love just hits you. And you're like, yes. Nothing can remove me from sitting in the love of God. Wow. So here he is, addressing these second and third generation believers 
he's living. When you jump into this passage, 1 John chapter 2, we're going to begin with verse 18. But when you jump into this passage, what you also recognize is that John is really setting a model for some of us to live in terms of living in this expectancy of Jesus, right? He has this expectation of Christ coming back at any moment, at any time. And so he's always ready. He's always wanting to proclaim Jesus no matter what. And so that's when we pick up with this passage. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. And we're going to go through the end of this chapter today. So we're going to run fast, and here it goes with 1 John chapter 2, 18 and 19. Children, it says, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go slow here, because this, this is just the next passage. I'm not trying to point anything out with the world or anything else. What I'm simply saying, here's what the Word of God says and many of us speak about Antichrist, go ahead and know this, the only place we find the word Antichrist in Scripture is from the pen of John. We've got it about five times, and so here he comes, he starts calling it out, and he says, children, it's the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Like, be ready, let's go, he's saying. And it says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. So Antichrist, they, they weren't of us. They went out from us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But instead, what are they doing? They're stepping away from the ministry. They're stepping away from faith, right? Because they never understood the reality of what the gospel really is. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. People are here, they're stepping away from the church, they're stepping away from faith, no difference today. And I'm telling you, if you really are coming to church, if you really claim Jesus Christ as Lord, if you understand the gospel, it's too good to step away from. It's because we're not teaching the fullness of it. The church today is sometimes doing a horrendous job at teaching the reality of what the gospel actually is. And we think that if we just do enough, as I said before, and if we give enough, and if we behave ourselves, and then if you're just a good enough person defined by whoever is sitting in front of you, good enough really is, who knows, then, then you're going to be all right. Guys, there is so much freedom in the gospel because what it's letting you know is that if you declare Jesus Christ with your mouth, with your heart is given to him, that if you have faith in him, that then your works, which are... You can't earn salvation through works. Your works come because you recognize that you have been saved and you want to reflect him. You're, you're seeing the difference, right? I was even more riled up in the first service. We, this, is, this is big. So we see this. And here's John living with this expectancy of Jesus' return regarding the last hour, right? And so he jumps in and he's like, listen, here's the struggle. You guys, it's the Antichrist. It's the last hour and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. So let, let me help you think about Antichrist in two different manners. One, you have capital A Antichrist. You're going, there is going to be 
a, an Antichrist, capital A, that comes, biblically speaking, and that is going to lead in a rebellion, an open rebellion against God. We do not know when that is. Jesus Christ, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, says it very clearly. Not even the Son of God knows the time or the place, so don't, go, don't get lost in that. But we know that's going to come. But what this also speaks to is the many lowercase, think about this, antichrist. And we can struggle with this understanding of antichrist because what we think of anti is opposite of right anti prefix right opposite of so let's play a little game i'm going to call out something and you're going to call out the opposite of it you good with this so you got to be you got to be ready i'm going to start really easy light it's respectable hot anybody do this like car trips like you're just trying to kill time we should pick it up. Um, all right, so I'll give, you, I'll give you another one just to think about. Um, sharp. Right? So that's when we think Antichrist, that's what we do. We go, oh, if, G- if God is good, if Jesus is good, then everything that's really, if he's, if he's perfect, then anything that's really bad is Antichrist. And that's not incorrect, but you have to go further with the understanding in Greek with the explanation of Antichrist. Anti also with the prefix, you know what else it means? Instead of. So he's coming and speaking and saying, not only is it that that is opposite of Jesus, but it's also that that is instead of Jesus. So this, if you're first time coming here, know this. We love you, but this is not like the Typically, the first message, you walk into a church and you walk out and go, man, what a, what a cool place and guy that I heard preaching because I'm part of the Antichrist. But just bear with me because this, this is a reality check for us. Instead of. So here's an instead of. Okay, we're going to play that game too, kind of like the opposite of. I'm going to call out something. You're going to call out the instead of. Ready? Coke. Somebody in the first service called out burners or something like that. <laughs> I tried it once. I was in the hospital for a few months. I'm just kidding. Here's my luck. Whoever created that product is probably watching right now. That's my luck. Um, instead of. Okay, we'll go with another instead of. Ready? Michigan State. Oh, that's what I did the first service. I got Ohio State. Right? Um, right? We do instead ofs. And here's the problem with instead ofs. A lot of times, instead ofs don't look that wrong. They don't look that bad. But all of a sudden, what we recognize that they are taking priority and precedence over Christ and they're pulling us away from Him. That's what was happening. Do you not see how that's happened today? We've played the instead of game so much. And The idols in our life are so large. Because it doesn't seem that bad, but if you believe in the supremacy of Jesus, if you believe in the sufficiency of Jesus, 
You don't want to play the instead of game because there is nothing greater than Jesus. It's a giant wake-up call, just the symbols clashing on both sides of your head going, am I playing the instead of game? The instead of game is dangerous because it's not as though you go Coke versus Pepsi and, oh, it's still a soda. It's not what God has directed, and so it can be appealing, and we, we can be drawn into it, and it can be attractive. But what we don't recognize, it's that same thing we speak about all the time here at Chapel Point. It's that one small step towards Satan, that one more small step, and you start buying into self. Guys, the gospel is about God's redemption for us through his Son. The gospel is not about you getting what you want. Anybody. That straight word of God, anybody, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, hi-yah, karate kick, anything. No, listen to me. The gospel is about the saving work of Jesus. It is not about you. Can we, we've got to have the maturity to look in that mirror. And ask ourselves, where are we? Are we in play? Are we are we a part of the instead ofs? Just I just got sent an article. I talk about it all the time. Just, the suicide rates, the depression rates, they're skyrocketing right now in every age category. Especially, you know what the highest one is? Young adults. Because we've played the instead of game and we haven't taught in the church for our children to know the true gospel. We've taught them, hey, this is how good God is and he wants you to have whatever you want and you to be blessed. And then when people don't get what they want, they, don't, they recognize that, well, maybe God's not that good. And so they step away. God is perfect, friends. And it's all about God's glory and God's purpose. And so here you have this this worldly, and, or, or I would even, I would categorize them, and you're, you're about to see this graph, okay? And it's going to say on one side, let's pull, pull it up. It's going to say worldly deception. Really what these are, are these, character, these are characteristics of the Antichrist. Get ready to, like, this is, this is going to be our measuring tool. So please, right? Even if you don't have a pencil, I like you writing something down. So these are honestly the characteristics of Antichrist. But also in this passage, what we see, this is so encouraging for us, are ways that God protects us. God doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't just say, hey, go figure it out for yourself. He says, here's ways that you can have godly protection as you evaluate this. So here we are. As we look at this passage it tells us, verse 19, they went out from us, they were not of us, for they had been, they had been of us. They, if they would have been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. One of the deceptions, one of the characteristics of Antichrist is that they step away from community. They step, so you're going to see this, fill in the blank here, they, they're stepping away from community. That's one of the things that you recognize and that you see. Friends, if you, I don't want to look, I don't, wherever you are, if you think 
that you alone can step away from biblical community and live fully for Jesus Christ, it is one of the most prideful things you can ever speak. Because God created, a, for, uh, God created for us to do this together. I am so pumped that I get to live life with you declaring Jesus. It's one of my happy places. Right, Because God created that, and he gave us each other to be able to live in that community. And one of the characteristics of Antichrist, that worldly deception, is that you can do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. You can't do it alone. And so here is, is this understanding of this worldly deception that you can step away from community. You can't. One way to think about this is John's letting us know that, hey, listen, those... Second, third generation, but any, even today, right? Uh, Antichrist often, this group of Antichrist, people who have stepped away from Christ, they often begin within the church and they step out. I will tell you now that the greatest resistance I receive is rarely from outside the walls of church. It's from within the walls. Now, in this church, we're incredibly blessed, but we protect the unity at all costs. If there are issues, we address them quickly. This is called being a family member, right? We're family together, God's family. And so if there are issues, we're going to confront them just like if at my own house, if I have a kid who's mouthing off to the mom, that doesn't go very well with me. That's my wife. You don't think that's going to be addressed? And so we're, we're cautious in that because we want to protect that unity, but we also know what can take place when others begin to speak against the community and act against the community from within. If you continue same verses with the, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and following, read this with me if you would. It says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. You know the truth, but because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. And nobody would label yourself as Antichrist, but this is talking about the people who step away and hear the characteristics they bring because one day there will be an antichrist capital a that leads us rebellion it won't be hard for them to do because in our culture we already worship celebrities so easily i'm amazed at how easily we worship people and throw the names on our shirts and on our hats of people we've never even met isn't that fascinating if you think of it that way you don't know their political stance, their true faith, if they believe fully in the word of God or anything else. But we will plaster them all over the place. We live in a celebrity culture. So do you really think it's going to be hard for somebody to come and to champion a movement against Jesus Christ? And so we look at this. And we go, wait a second, then what's God's protection here? Well, verse 20 God is offering protection, and it's through anointing. If we look at this passage, you see that right there filling in. It says anointing. Just leave it up here, please, right here. No, go back to the graph. I love it. There it is. All right, godly protection, anointing. This is one of the things that we have to recognize, that we have to remember. There is anointing, an anointing that we have. You have been anointed by the Holy One. If you know Jesus Christ, anointing of Holy Spirit, it comes upon you, and you can live in that. 
And we need to recognize that. We need to allow Holy Spirit to speak to us. A lot of times God's speaking to us and we want to ignore it because we want to live our own life anyway. One of the things I've experienced in life and I've learned is that a compromising Christian will never be comfortable in a healthy church. A compromising Christian, one who wants to step away from community, who thinks that they can do it alone, they'll never be comfortable in a healthy church. So we need to know that part of this protection that we have is this anointing from God. For all believers, it's an anointing that we have a Holy Spirit that allows us to then, as a result, to have wisdom and to have discernment. So to make choices that would reflect Jesus. Anointing has the idea of being filled with and blessed by the Holy Spirit. Another worldly deception that comes, ways to identify whether or not you're pushing toward Jesus or not, right? One of the things is that they deny Jesus. So denying Jesus is another part of worldly deception. In this very same passage, it tells us, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, because no lie is of the truth. Verse 22, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies, and this is talking about the group, not the specific individual, okay? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. So in our world, there's still a staggering 98.9% of people who believe in God, okay? It's a very different number than those who claim that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So what we do, because it's easier, is when we speak to people, we talk about God... And go, oh, yeah, God, God. But we don't, we're not as easy to throw out the name Jesus. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like anybody have a friend who has an uncle who feels that way? Right, that's what ends up taking place. But this passage is clear, my friends. Please hear it. He who denies the Father and the Son, this is the Antichrist. No one who denies the Son has the Father. So you can try to hide the Christian aspect or hide the name of Jesus and still just identify with God. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We cannot deny that Jesus is the Son of God and to then claim to know what the gospel really is. And if you're a believer in Jesus, there are certain things you simply cannot deny. So these are things that should just be deep in you. So I'm going to give you some things based on Scripture that you should not deny, period. All right? And as I need to, there's just five or six things. I'm going to call them out to you so that you understand how important this really is. Um, One would be salvation by grace alone. This is going to be similar to the solas, so just know that. But salvation by grace alone, if that makes sense to you. I'm not going to go down that road right now. But salvation by grace alone. You can't earn it, you can't give enough, can't do enough. Jesus Christ just loves you that much. 
Another thing that you've got to recognize is not only salvation by grace alone, but you've got to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there are so many people right now, we know that what a leader or a, a church will not speak to is what they will end up believing in. And there are so many people who aren't willing to speak to certain things. So even if you're online and you're watching us because maybe your church isn't going, when you go back, make sure they believe these things is what I would tell you because it's all straight word of God. We need to understand this. You must not deny salvation by grace alone. Um, you must not deny the resurrection. You must not deny uh, substitutionary atonement, atonement, that Jesus Christ was our substitute. Must not deny that. You must not deny the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that Jesus, part one of the three, was fully human, fully divine. Jesus was not just another human that God allowed to do cool things. Jesus was God in flesh who resurrected from the dead so that we might have eternal life. That's the word of God. You must not deny that this scripture, this is fully from him. His inspired word, fully from him. Because once you take sections out, which people are doing really well today, then all of it is typically no, it's just void. It's fully from him. Yes, there are, other, there, are, there are people who penned it, but Holy Spirit spoke and inspired in its entirety. And as soon as you deny a portion of it, there's no authority in any of it. And this is what we see happening, this worldly deception that you can deny the Father, that you can deny Jesus, that you can deny the resurrection, that you can deny. And the reason we do that is because of insecurity and pride. And we live in a Western culture, which is one, I mean, here's how you understand Western culture very simply. It's everything's about you. That's our world, right? We want to get what we want. We want it right now. We want our house. We want our life. We want everything and, you know, I mean, we want God to use it when he wants to use it. But, I mean, we're just assuming he doesn't want to use it that much, and so it's ours. And so we see this very passage that we cannot deny him. It continues in 24 to 27. Verse 24 begins with the following. It says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Now, you're going to see this word, abide, six times, I think it is, in like four or five verses. Like It's a lot. So you, He's already spoken of this. He's going to continue to speak of this. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you, dwell in you, sit in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. And I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But at his anointing teach but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. We need to live in the truth. We need to abide in him. In fact, it's 
one of the things that we have to recognize is that one of, godly's, one of the godly protections that God offers is abiding in him, abiding in his promises. That's another, that's the second part of godly protection right there is to abide in his promises. Abiding in his promises. So we need to do that. We need to abide in his promises. We need to abide in him. Why? Because abiding in Jesus is active. It's something that we constantly do, and we need to stay active with Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon says, You must be in a living, loving, lasting union with the Son of God, or else you are not in a state of salvation. It's got to be alive. It's got to be moving. It's got to be growing. It's got, it has to be transformed on a regular basis. In the same passage, what we see is that one of the characteristics of the Antichrist is that they deceive others. They deceive others. Third thing right there for you on the left-hand side, they deceive others. We see this in verse 26. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Yes, guess what? Whether they know it or not, those who are denying Jesus, denying God, not living for him, either friends, colleagues, or anything else, they are deceiving you in many of their thoughts and practices and what they believe. Because we live in a world right now that says, hey, God is here to give me what I want and to meet my needs and to make sure. No, that's, that's not biblical. We, we have twisted scripture in a Western culture, which is all about us, to serve us, not recognizing the gospel is all actually about how God has already fulfilled his promise to serve us through the giving of his son. And so now, because we're so overwhelmed in the grace that he has given to us, we're eager to serve him. It's what James speaks about when he, he speaks about the fact that, hey, it's the faith that really is leading to a desire to do works. It's not that faith is going to, or, or that works is going to give you a greater faith. You've got to make sure you get the order proper. And so the Antichrist here, they're seducing others. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says that their weapons are a seducing spirit. They're going to sound really good. They're going to be a bunch of instead ofs. Well, it's just, it's just altering this. It's just changing this. And so we need to understand that we need to be protected by the anointing of God. And one of the things that that gives to us is discernment. Another godly protection is God gives his discernment for us to be able to understand his truth, but then we have to make a decision on whether or not we'll listen to him. We have to make a, a decision on whether we'll allow God, Holy Spirit, to come and to direct us and to let us walk in one path rather than another path. To identify when we're walking in the instead ofs. So we need that protection as well. So when we look at all of this that comes into play, John is addressing these people stepping away from God, stepping away from faith, and they're denying, and they're doing all these things, and they're making a choice. And by the way, it's a cycle, right? We've seen it throughout history. There'll be a group of people who start to deny because they want more for self. At some point, society will break to a point, typically with history, and they go, oh, it really is about God because this way of life is actually horrific, 
And so they come back to God, but in time we start buying into self again. And you see it over, you see it in the Old Testament with the people of God. And you see it over and over and over again. And John is seeing it and he's calling it out. And he's letting people know, wait a second, what are you doing? You're buying into the instead ofs. But in 1 John chapter 2, 28 and 29, it says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence. There's that abide word again, and you abide in him, you dwell with him, you live with him, you allow him to soak in, to, to penetrate every part of you so that he can seep into the deepest part of who you are. And as a result of that, you're going to have confidence in who he is. You're going to have confidence when he appears, never have shame or to shrink when he comes again. And if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone, who practices righteousness has been born of him. You know, when you abide in him, you're ready for him to come back at any time. When you're born of him, you may, it means that you're going to start practicing this righteousness. It's the disposition that we need. It reminds me of, of John chapter 3 with Nicodemus, who was this Pharisee, who was this religious leader. And now all of a sudden, he's coming to know Christ, and he's born again. And as a result of being born again, he had a disposition towards sin that was altered and changed toward a disposition of righteousness. And that's what John is leading us to recognize and to see. And so now, that abiding in Jesus, it results in having this confidence in who he is and adopting the character and the conduct of Jesus. That's what it is. If you look at the screen, it's going to tell you very, very simple. Abiding in Jesus produces confidence in who he is. And it results in adopting his character and conduct. the power of Christ. This is a message that I so appreciate. This portion of scripture, the reason why is, is before we even pray here in a second, I want to make sure you, you understand this. When I walk through life and as I'm making decisions um, and I'm looking at what God is doing even within this ministry and the decisions that we're trying to make. Um, I'm always looking at uh, different color flags. Maybe you've heard this. Maybe you do this yourself. We talk about, hey, what are green flags? Everything seems good to go. <laughs> God's wanting it. We have peace of Christ. Um, but then I see other flags that are yellow. Like, uh, guys, I see some yellow flags here. Like, I see some things that create questions. It doesn't mean it's a no. But even on staff, with the elders, with the leadership here, we come together and I'm like, I, there are some questions that I have. And then sometimes there's just red flags. I'm like, nope, not doing it. And what I so appreciate about God and what he does here with John, and as he's writing to the people of the church here and he's pushing out this amazing message, I think he's showing us the flags to be aware of. And that maybe some of us have yellow flags because maybe we're not denying God, but we're denying Jesus. So we're just not saying his name. We, we talk about God, but we don't want people to hear the name Jesus because that could offend them. 
But yet sometimes what you're not willing to speak to actually shows what you haven't actually bought into. You see the flags? So there's a flag of like, are you, can, are you abiding in him? Like, are you really being transformed by the power of the word? And you're going, I don't know. Right now I'm just choosing me. Because life is good. It's all about me. I'm going to chase what I want, even though I'm going to receive the salvation of God when I need it. So cool to have that in my back pocket. And we're ignoring all these flags that are waving. One day, I can assure you of this, when I am no longer here physically, I'm going to stand before the Almighty and there will be no instead ofs. There will only be the glorious victory that is known through Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. Let's chase that together. And have the courage, the confidence to recognize the flags that may be waving. So that with every ounce of us, we can reflect the power of Jesus Christ. To preach the full gospel. Our world is broken. It is dark. But the light of Jesus will always be brighter. The light of Jesus is, with, is what withholds us and sustains us and allows us to endure and to persevere. That is the beauty of the gospel. And that is why we celebrate with all that we have. And so God, I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. I give you thanks that we can stand in your presence and to know that you are good, that we can rest assured in your promises, that we can trust in your promises, that we can abide in you. God, you allow life to happen with the choices that we have, but yet you promise to be there for us. You promise, God, that you will not leave us. And so, God, may we not step away from you. May we be mature enough to recognize the flags that are blowing in our own life and if some of them are yellow or even red. But also to understand that if, even if they're red, God, you're so full of grace and rich and mercy that your hand is always reaching out to us. What beauty, what glory, what joy to know the hand of God your hand is always reaching down wanting us to take it because your grace is so powerful your forgiveness is so rich and so no matter how tired we are no matter how hungry or thirsty or weak God we know that we can come before you and we can find hope we can find assurance. We can find confidence. We can rest in you. And so may every one of these brothers and sisters today know that. The love of God. In Christ's name.